Welcome to The Whole Marketer, where we look at the holistic skills, the technical skills, soft skills, leadership skills, and personal understanding that marketers of today need to grow the brands and businesses of tomorrow. We're here to ensure that marketers feel supported and empowered to have successful and fulfilling careers and lives as a whole. Hello, and welcome to The Whole Marketer podcast. podcast is an area of personal understanding. It's work-life balance. And shortly we welcome by today's guest, Katie Martin. But before we do, let me tell you why it's so important. One of the key pillars of the whole marketer is fulfillment in our career and lives as a whole. And although work and life balance will mean different things to different people, to me, it means being able to make time for all of the things that are important in my life. And that doesn't necessarily mean all in equal measures. However, in order to achieve this, we need to be able to get really clear on what those key components are that we want to have in our life as a whole and making sure we prioritize against those things that fill up our cups. Work-life balance is always a work in progress and often can be a job in itself to make a concerted effort to make sure that we make time for all of those things that are important in our lives, adjust, course, correct, especially in those moments when life throws us curveballs. Today's guest is Katie Martin, Head of Marketing Excellent at Innocent, and it's all about putting people at the heart of creating sustainable business growth, while striving to help people within those businesses to thrive. Her career began in the world of events, transitioning into FMCG, where she specialised in shopper marketing and e-com. Now she's leading the charge in Marketing Excellence at Innocent, shaping the leading Innocent Marketing Excellence line programme to elevate the marketing community in the innocent way of marketing, a philosophy rooted in purpose to help people live well through the goodness in fruit and veg. Katie has a passion for understanding what makes people tick and is a mentor, certified in Discovery Insights and a mental health first aider. And as a mum of two, she's a strong advocate of finding work-life balance. Katie, welcome to the Whole Marketer podcast. Thank you. I'm really tough to be here. Well, as you know, we always start with a big, juicy question. And today's big, juicy question is, what does balance mean to you? I mean, firstly, I love the fact it's a juicy question with my passion for juice and smoothies. But I mean, I think honestly, the reality of the world today is that we spend a lot of our time at work and a lot of our lifetime working. And I think that's probably felt even more acutely now in the always on ecosystem in which we exist as humans. And I think in that mix of life, we have a personal role as much as we do a professional one with that reality. And I think they're not mutually exclusive. They both need attention. They both need investment. And I think we need to be really mindful not to sacrifice one to the other or vice versa. And I think for me personally, as as a parent as well, I'd argue that you add another incremental role into the mix and finding that parent life balance can be tricky too. And I think there's the way that I always talk about balance with my team and I'm quite a visual person. So I like to bring the idea of balance to life, like an old fashioned set of weighing scales. I also love baking. So it's probably from that, but where you literally have to balance an item to an opposing weight. And rather than just have two sides of that scale, I always imagine it that you have several. 
So in no particular order, it might be your relationship, your family, friends, your health, and probably both physical and mental health, your hobbies and interests, and and so on and so forth. And you are at the centre at that scale. And balance for me is really about how you accommodate and manage the fluctuations between those different elements of your life scale, the highs and lows of the day to day, or week to week, or even year to year to keep that balance in check. Because if a couple of the scales are weighing out the others, then everything can be off balance. I think sometimes that can be a positive. But actually, I think for the most part, it's how you keep all of those different elements existing in harmony to make up the whole person that is you. And I know that's a big part of what you're trying to do with the whole marketeer. So it's, it's lovely to be here to talk to you about that. I absolutely love that analogy. And I was almost imagining those things on both sides of the scale. And sometimes they switch over, but they're on different mm-hmm. sides of the scale as well, is that not all of those weights are equal. Yeah. And sometimes something so small can also be very dense. Yes. And so almost to say, oh, work is one, life on the other, or vice versa, or a combination of the two. You know, there could be something in our life that either tips the balance more strongly, negatively, is a drain pull, an energy pull, versus something very small that gets added that may allow us to be more balanced as well. Yeah. And I think often when we hear about or talk about balance, we think about it in a slightly negative way, you know, we think about that draining. Whereas if I said, oh, you've got more weight in your family. So for example, if you're on parental leave, probably the majority of your balance, your focus, your weight will go into parenting and and family and probably less on, for example, work. And that's great. That's right. But I think as well, to your point, and this is where I think we need to think about balance both as a positive and a negative, it can work both ways, but also at that kind of macro and micro level. So there might be, to your point about something else coming into the mix, that might be in a day at work, there's a curveball, something comes onto your plate, and that can really offset everything. It might mean that you need to cancel your plans with your mates that evening because you need to work a bit later. But I think for me, life happens, right? All of those different elements will ebb and flow day to day, hour to hour even. But I think it's just being mindful of how they're playing out and how you maintain that harmony as much as possible and know the ways to kind of fill your cup again and re-energize and restore and try and get some of that balance back in check. I really love that viewpoint of looking at day to day, month to month, week to week view, because I think we set out to have a certain balance at the start of the year. But then there's the realities that life throws at us day to day and being mindful of that day. There may be things, as you've just said, that need to come out of your diary because you need to address something in the here and now, but also giving yourself permission to then put it back in. So you still readdress that balance for the month to month and year to year. Yeah, I think even hour to hour, sometimes you never really know what's out of your control and what things may come along. I think particularly working in marketing, as we know, there's so many different curveballs that can come along and surprise us. And I think that also plays out. And I know we're talking about balance in general, but again, going back to being a parent, there is so much outside of your control. You know, you've got that big meeting and then suddenly you get a call from school and you need to go and collect your child. And I think it's just about how you keep yourself in check when there are those elements that are out of your control. So trying to keep that harmony as much as possible. And also being mindful 
even if it is hour to hour, week by week, day by day, actually sometimes taking that step back and, and looking overall over that longer time frame that actually is my life overall in harmony in the way that I'd like it to be. Because I think that's when things aren't sustainable, that kind of long term element of life. I agree. I don't think we do it enough. Intentionally, I do it every quarter, but I wouldn't say before training to be a coach that I did that every quarter and took stock about, you know, how am I doing versus my goals? Am I achieving what it is that I set up to achieve for the year? Am I including all the elements of my life, as you said, the boys, friendships, things that I enjoy, family commitments, all of those things that are important to me in my life? to the balance or to the weighting, back to your weight yeah. scale analogy, that I want them to be. Because sometimes things either have more weight than we intended, and sometimes we aren't able to give the weight we want to the things that we want. It's that acknowledgement, assessment, and taking action to kind of course correct that's yeah. so important. Yeah, and I think that takes really active focus and consideration. And it's like flexing a muscle, isn't it? You've, you've really got to focus on it. And I think it's something that in the rhythm of business, we do quite regularly. I mean, it's interesting hearing you say that you focus on it once a quarter. But I think, you know, if you have performance reviews, often you'll do a deep dive, maybe at mid-year, maybe at end of year, and kind of do that self-awareness piece, that sense checking. Am I delivering against the goals that I've set out to achieve? But I think it's got to be more in the rhythm of life. It's got to be more regular than that. So I've heard you talk about this a lot on the podcast before, but I think so often we hear that you can't have it all, you know. And I think for me, I feel that really acutely, particularly as, as a working parent. You know, I've got ambitions for my career. I've got ambitions for my life. And I've got somebody that I want to be a, as a parent as well. But I think it starts with that redefining what you mean by having it all. And I think reframing what your personal all is, first and foremost, so that you're setting yourself up for success from, from the very beginning and then I think once you've done that, and I think sometimes we do do that in the workplace, but we don't always do it in that personal balance as well. And I think once you've done that, it's about coupling that with really rigorous self-awareness about, I think, two things. Number one, knowing what works for you. And number two, really being open about that across life. And I think that first one, knowing what works for you, I think topping up those elements that are out of balance is really key and you know again that that weighing scale analogy yes there's ebb and flow yes there are times where things will weigh more than others but I think some of that is really obvious it's quite easy to do so for example taking time out to go to the gym or go for a run making sure that you're eating well spending time with loved ones or even I think spending time on your own reading a book you know taking a day off or actually even just pausing during the day to take a proper break just to refill your cup and get things a bit back in balance I think is really key and I think a big part of that is knowing where you get your energy from and again I know you talk about this in your book but again I'm a big one for analogies but I always like to think you've got two robots one is battery powered and one is solar powered and the robot that is battery powered how do you literally take that time to plug in and recharge your batteries from within, which, you know, really that's that kind of preference towards introversion and, and getting your energy from within. But I think on the other hand, if you have a preference towards extroversion, I like to think of yourself as a solar powered robot. You know, how do you find that time to step into the sunshine, get that energy and, and recharge from others? And I think for me, I'm a really classic ambivert. 
So I think at times I need to take myself away, plug in and recharge my batteries from within. But I think at other times, you know, I really need to be in the sunshine and getting that energy from others around me. And I think it's giving yourself permission to flex that and know what's important to you and know where you got your energy from to really help build that back up. And I think that then can help just rebalance things sometimes. Definitely. So we really need to listen to that voice within and taking those moments daily, which I do usually around half six, once the husband's home and I can tag team in him, I go upstairs, I sit down on my own. And sometimes it's what have I achieved today? What's my to-do list for tomorrow? But it's also just listening, like listening to my body and how I'm feeling. And sometimes it's feelings of overwhelm. Sometimes it's tiredness. Sometimes it's excitement for the next day. And therefore, what do I need to do tonight or in the short term to address that? And for me, that's also really closely interlinked to burnout. So for those that have burnout, I'm sure they'll have a hard relate with this, but you know, for also those that haven't, you need to be able to spot the signs that are happening in you when things are out of balance and things aren't working for you. So for me, it's my inability to get to sleep at night. It may be a feeling of erraticness inside that I just can't get enough things done. There are signs for me that I need to just slow down, reevaluate, reprioritize, take some things off the plate. As we always have things on our plate that are outside of our control that we have to deal with, you know, that's part of adulting, but also being mindful with what space is left on that plate, what Mm. we're going to prioritize and spend our energy on as well to make sure that we don't go out of kilt. So I think it's important that we have that quarterly review, half year review, you know, check in, like you're saying, in line with PDPs about how we're doing towards our goals. But we are also mindful about how we are feeling, what works for us, what we need in order to stay balanced. Mm. And I think you've touched on something really important there, which is, yes, firstly, that rigorous self-awareness, but also that self-compassion. What is it that you need to recharge? I learned about balance really the hard way. I experienced burnout quite early in my career. And I think that's partly what makes me so passionate about it and and talking about it. And it makes sure that I really prioritize carving out that time to think about what's going on for me and and how can I be self-compassionate? Because I think sometimes you're so right, that inner voice that we need to listen to sometimes gets drowned out in all the other noise of life. And I think to have that little kind of habit every day where you reflect, where you think about how you're feeling for the day ahead, what's coming, think about what you've achieved in that day. And I, you know, I love that idea around finding those little moments to be grateful throughout the day, because I think that can really help even when you've had a really tough day, just pausing and finding that time to be grateful for what you've got as well can really help bring that positive when you're feeling stressed or when you are struggling to find that inner voice because you're drowning in all that noise. And it's a nice kind of mini practice to try and adopt throughout the day to day. I think you've also touched on something really important there, which is around communicating with others and sharing what works for you and what you need. So yes, it's that self-awareness of knowing what you need. And sometimes it's quite hard to vocalize that or to know what the answer is. And a lot of that just comes through trial and error and learning from success as much as we do failure. But I think in the workplace, we can sometimes shy away from talking openly about this stuff. And I think it does take a degree of psychological safety and a culture of trust to be able to be open about seeking balance, finding balance, what works for you. And I think that really has to start with that clear communication and that give and take and that flex between work and life, because ultimately 
we're all paid to do a job, right? And it's important that we do that. And it's important that, you know, we set goals, we set objectives and that we deliver against those because otherwise, what are we doing at work? We are paid to do a job. But I think doing it in a way that enables you to flex your style and give you, as I've said already, that kind of give and take, I think would be really powerful. So for me, I think things like, actually at Innocent, we don't have formal working hours. So you can really kind of flex your day around what works for you. Someone in my team years ago who was at her most productive when it was dark outside. So in the winter, that was great because it gets dark about four o'clock. But actually in the summer, for her, it really worked to actually do her best thinking late at night. You know, she was a real night owl. And actually in the conventional working day, we're not always supportive and that's not always possible for people. So I think, again, knowing what works and being open about that. And I think one thing that I try and live by, and I see it a lot at Innocent, particularly with the people I work with, but things like openly sharing your calendar and putting things in there, like you're going to the gym or you have a medical appointment or you need to drop your kids at school on a Tuesday and so on, I think is also really important. So having that openness knowing what works, but also sharing what you're doing, because ultimately we're all humans. We're not one dimensional. There's there's lots of different elements to us and we're all individuals. And that's what makes life interesting. Right. But I think sharing that and I think particularly as leaders leading by example and showing that you are as much your professional life as you are, your personal life as you are, you know, all the different elements that make us us, I think is really powerful. I agree. And as you say, it does require a certain level of cultural and psychological safety to allow that to happen and to be able to say you are going to do all of those things that you just described or you need to do all of those things but also to let people in when you are having stresses outside of work and also to bring people's awareness to the stress that maybe some of the projects or challenges that you're working on are creating for you as well because we all experience the same situation differently based on our own previous lived experience and also our experience of dealing with that and so you know I would say assumption you know the root of all evil almost because sometimes someone may give you a project and assume because they've done that before and how it impacted them without appreciating that same project will impact you differently and the energy that you will have to give will differ. The level of stress that you may have to give will also differ. And that may impact your life as a whole and all of the other things on that weighing scale. Yeah, I think on the point that you just said as well, it takes a lot to kind of understand other people's preferences and and who we're working with. And for example, that person who gave you a project, if that's somebody who is more senior to you, for example, sometimes that can be quite daunting. It could make you flex your style and, and not feel like you can have that conversation And my personal experience, I report into Kirsty, who's our CMO, who I know you also know well, and she's brilliant. And when I first started reporting into her, I work flexibly. And the way that I make that work is on the days that I'm not working, I set the expectation that you won't hear from me those days. If you send me an email, I I won't reply. And I do that in two ways. One is really opening, communicating what my working pattern is. So it's on my email signature. I talk about it. I block out my diary. But I also have that conversation up front with Kirsty that was on those working days. Don't expect to hear from me those days. And if it's really urgent, of course, I, I can take a phone call. But as a general rule of thumb, those are my days. And for my mental health and for my family, I like to protect those And I think that's felt quite acutely when you are having days that you don't work within the conventional working week, you know, work carries on, even though you're not there. 
And so the other thing I try and do is be really open about what I'm doing on those days. And my out of offices, I always try and make them quite personal, quite interesting. They're not a robotic out of office, I'm not here. I try and bring to life that other element of me, my personal life. So often I'll say, you know, I'm not working today. I'm currently juggling five children's birthday parties or poolside at swimming lessons, you know, but I'm quite open about that. Because again, as I've said already, we're not one dimensional. And I think communicating about everything that makes us us is really key to bringing our best selves to work. There's an example I was talking about with somebody recently, which completely goes back to communication and how you're asking your support network around you, whether that's at work or whether that's in life. And I think the example which I think many of us will relate to is that school play, a child's school play, or perhaps it's a sports day. And what happens if that clashes with a big work commitment? You know, sometimes it's completely unavoidable and you can't go to that sports day. So then what support network do you have around you to make sure that your child feels supported? But I think it's always worth having the conversation and asking for support at work as well. So could someone else go to that meeting in your place or even could the meeting be moved? And I think the thing that I hold on to with this is in the future, it's unlikely that anyone will really remember whether or not you were at that meeting at work. But will your child remember whether or not you're at their school play or their sports day? Quite possibly. And I think that's about getting the right support networks around you and also being really willing to communicate and ask for that help to in achieving that balance because I don't think we can do it alone. I completely agree and what's really key for me around those two things that you said was the first was the clarity that you had around what you needed, what your working pattern is but also your boundaries around that and often people will use the terminology boundaries and say well I have a boundary around that. It's like you can't just shout boundary, you know it's not like a game on the playground, you have to have that clarity about what the game is that you're playing and let everybody know the rules because you can't call somebody out on not respecting a boundary if you haven't set it. And by setting it, you have to have clarity and you have to share it like you did with Kirsty. You know, you sat and Kirsty went, right, these are my working patterns. This is the level of contactability I have around that. And you share all of Katie, you know, why you're not there and you're out of offices, which is wonderful. And obviously you have the safety to do that in the organisation in which you work. But the most important thing there is that you did communicate it and that you did share your negotiables and your non-negotiables and the impact that those non-negotiables have if they're not respected and I don't think enough people do that no and I think boundaries are so important but you're right you're not playing a game it's got to be an open conversation and I think with flexible work in particular it's got to work both ways right and I think you know there are times that I will flex to support work and there are times that work will flex to support me but I think making sure that you're regularly revisiting that making sure it's working for everyone and again having those conversations to help maintain those boundaries and make sure that no one is losing too much whether that's that's work or you as an individual in your your personal life I think honestly I think we also we have a choice right you know we do have a choice whether or not we want to check our work emails on our phone in our beds late at night we have a choice on the other hand whether we want to book time off work and have a holiday and when we need a break and we have a choice to make time in life for the things that really matter to us and and it's not easy it's hard to get it right all of the time that for me I think is why I'm so passionate about balance because I think it's about that 
communication, we're choosing how to live our lives, we're sharing that. And when it comes to the flexible working, you know, I'm quite unapologetic about it. You know, if somebody says, oh, we're having a meeting on that day and it falls on one of my non-working days, I wouldn't say, I'm sorry, I can't make that. I'd say, I'm not working that day. Do you need me there? Can someone else come? And, And how do we find a way around it? And I think that just, again, it comes down to, yes, boundaries. Yes, we have a choice in how we define our lives. And that goes back to reframing what your all is and how the choices you make off the back of that. And we have a choice to have the right communication and support networks in place to enable us to flex both ways and and keep all those different elements of the weighing scales in harmony. And I think what's really clear, Katie, is I'm listening to you. In order to have the balance that you have today, it hasn't come without lessons learned about what you need in order to achieve that. Are there any key lessons that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think it's all about mindfulness. And and I mean that in the broadest sense. I don't mean it in the, oh, I have to log off and have 10 minutes active mindfulness every day. I think it's just trying to live your life in a mindful way. Because often I find when the balance goes out of kilter, it's because I have too many plates spinning or too much on my plate, I think was the analogy you used at the beginning, Abby. But when there's too much going on and I can't quieten all of the broader noise in life to actually find that time to be mindful, to be reflective, to be self-aware and to pause and figure out actually what I need right now. I think that's the biggest learning because when the balance has gone out of kilter, it's when there is too much weight in one area of life and that then has an impact on on all of the different areas. So for me, one of my biggest learnings is about keeping my health in check. And if that's out of kilter, as as we all know, everything else can stop and fall apart at, at the seams. But I think making sure that if my health isn't in the right place, that I have had those conversations, I've asked for the help. And I think also that mindfulness about what you need, it's really hard to get perspective sometimes and step back and think, do you know, if I actually spent the day resting in bed, getting better, that's probably more productive in the long run than plowing on feeling under the weather and and trying to keep all of the plates spinning. So I think also just trying to pause, be a bit more mindful and give yourself the perspective of actually what's going to help right now. Because I think sometimes one of my biggest learnings is that I just can keep plowing on and, and not take that time and not apply that thought and mindfulness to actually what I need and how I can help myself and in turn be that best version of myself and, and do what I need to do in all the different elements. And all of that takes learnings. And as I always say, it's never a mistake, always a learning. And on that point, I would love to hear your career highs and lows. (laughs) So they're quite broad, but I've tried to anchor them into balance, given that that's what we're talking about. As I mentioned earlier, I think I learned about balance the hard way. So a low for me was really quite early out of my career. So I worked in events and I ended up actually my health really suffered and I was completely burnt out, probably at a time where we weren't as aware of burnout as we are now. It wasn't really recognized in the same way. And I ended up in hospital three times in in one year. And I think it was all essentially down to the balance being completely out of place. I was working way too much and I just lost track of all of the different elements of my life and it really impacted my health. And as you say, the learning is there. I learned the hard way. And again, I go back to, you know, I had a choice in that. I made a change. I realized probably that the cycle of events, the pressure of events 
wasn't quite right for me to thrive in. And I chose to change my lifestyle in, in two ways. So the first one, I changed industries, I changed jobs. And the second one was I made changes to my lifestyle. And for me, exercise is really important. So I make sure that I carve out time to exercise each and every day. You know, even if that's, I've got a team's call and I'll do it walking just to make sure that I've I've had that kind of endorphin hit, but that you've got that kind of time out and about because exercise is important to me. But also I really focus on um, nutrition and eating the right stuff to really help me keep all of that stuff in check and make sure that I'm prioritizing that stuff. So a career low was, you know, experiencing burnout early in my career, but, you know, I learned a lot from that. And actually, I think probably as a result, the career high was really actually working at Innocent and joining Innocent. And I think part of the reason I feel so passionate about balance is because Innocent actually gave me that. It was a culture. And as I mentioned, you know, we don't have formal working hours. We are not clock watchers. You can be open about going to the gym or taking that time out of the day to do the school run, whatever it is. One of the biggest things is when I first joined Innocent, everybody takes a lunch break at, at 1 p.m. And we've got a brilliant lunch culture. There are running clubs that happen in those lunch breaks. You can pop lunch in the diary with really anyone across the business. But we are really encouraged. And that behavior is very visible in the office. If you're in fruit towers at 1 p.m., our chill out will be bursting with people having a break, eating their lunch together. And I think that was really powerful for me that actually, you know, something as simple as having a lunch break that everyone takes at the same time. And of course, there's days where I don't get to take it. But again, it's about how do you get that balance back in check? And I think having that culture that Innocent has is, is absolutely amazing. But I think as well with Innocent, it was the first place in my working life really where I felt like I belonged. And that's probably why I have dedicated the majority of my career working there. But that difference between belonging and, and fitting in, Brené Brown, I know you quote her in your book, and I'm a big fan of her, she's a personal hero of mine, and she's written a lot on this topic. But I think that sense of belonging, bringing your authentic self to all you do versus trying to fit in. And I feel so grateful that I have found that, that I found that quite early in my career, someone like Innocent. And part of that is the culture that they have, but part of that also I think is just that self-awareness and learning the hard way from that career low and, and realizing kind of what I wanted and needed from you know my place of work was a real enabler and kind of giving me that personal high of working at Innocent and staying there all these years. And listening to you share your career highs and lows, I think it's really clear to me that those experiences have allowed you to find the workplace that's right for you, a culture that's right for you, and for you to set those boundaries around what working patterns and work styles work for you. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there are many people who go through their entire careers and don't really find that. And I am, yes, I said, I'm so grateful that I've found that place. And I think particularly as a working parent and having that culture of psychological safety, of trust, and also things like, you know, we have a parents and carers affinity group. So having that support network of people who who get it, who understand, who have that sheer empathy, who can help you achieve that balance. You know, I've talked a lot about having the support networks in place, knowing your community, knowing your tribe. You know, Innocence enabled me to have that at work as much as it has at home. So Katie, thank you so much for your time so far on today's podcast and for sharing so openly and honestly about your own personal experiences that have allowed you to be so passionate about balance. As you know, we always finish with the following question. What one piece of advice would you give to marketers of tomorrow? 
I'm going to sound like a complete fangirl, but my number one piece of advice would be to read Abby's book, The Whole Marketeer. <laughs> I wish I'd had it years ago in my career. Honestly, so many useful tidbits and a lot of great stuff actually on topics that we've talked about today to really help achieve balance and that kind of sense of purpose in life. But I'm going to, I'm going to sneak in a, a second one as well, which is linked to that, because I love that the whole marketeer is all about people as a whole, our holistic selves. And I think we know with marketing, your job is, is never done. There's always more that you could do. And I think, honestly, the same could be said for parenting as well. So given that we're talking about balance, I'm going to talk about the idea of the rocking chair so when you mentally fast forward to much later in your life, hopefully, so say you're 80s and you're sat in a rocking chair reflecting on what you've achieved along the way, perhaps any regrets that you've had or what choices you've made to live your life. And for me, that rocking chair, that fast forwarding to towards the end of your life is centered in that classic saying, you know, no one on their deathbed wishes that they'd worked more. So my advice is live your life in a way that your 80-year-old self would thank you for. And I think striving for balance is a great step in that direction. That's a great piece of advice. And thank you again for your time on today's podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning into The Whole Marketer podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do like, follow and share. The Whole Marketer is here to support and empower you and your teams with the latest technical skills, soft and leadership skills and behaviours and personal understanding for a successful, fulfilling marketing career and life as a whole. For support, resources and more information on how we can help you to become a whole marketer and build whole marketing teams, go to www.thewholemarketer.com.